Yes, Father God, and the war is intensifying all over the earth. We give you praise, Lord God. We give you glory because you are to be glorified in all of this. You said you sat enthroned at the flood. And Lord, you're not losing your cool over this one either. And I thank you, Jesus, that you give us grace, peace, wisdom, counsel, strength, and the courage to repent and the courage to look to you, to trust you, to receive from you instruction. You said the the ways of the... um, a righteous man, are directed by the Lord. So, Father, I praise you and thank you, Father, for your goodness, your your uh, protection, your direction. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us, for making a way for us, for absolutely giving us the gospel of grace and good news with nothing else added to it. Father God, I thank you that we follow you because we love you, because you made us, and we love you, and we respond in, to your truth because we love the truth. We thank you, Jesus. You said you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Thank you for that freedom. Thank you for that courage. Thank you for this hour in which we live. Thank you, Lord God, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. Thank you, Lord God, for the promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, deed done, action taken by the evil one will be able to bring forth any shame, trouble, assault, accident, injury, uh, devastation, trouble uh, to us, Lord. Cover each of us, Lord, in our families and, and our families and, and the things that we're facing right now. Cover us with your divine protection. You are the God of escapes from death. I pray that you bring us these escapes. You are the way, Lord Jesus, the way in and through all of these disasters and dangers. Father God, we ask for your, your peace and your counsel now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're going to be talking about run for your life or hide under the rocks. Run for your life. Um, you know, we've all seen those movies out there, every one of those big epic movies where they have this scene where everybody's running and screaming and the buildings behind them are crashing and falling and the tsunami is just about to overtake them and the earthquake is opening up in front of them. And we, we see those things, the fires raging behind them. Uh, it's all here. Um, the rocks are falling and the mountains are, are melting and, and dissolving. And everything that they've shown us is here now in miniature form in de- different places in the earth, but nonetheless will culminate in the um, day of the Lord. So Luke gives us a couple of very important uh, beginning thoughts here. He says in Luke 21, Jesus says, he's talking about the end, of course, um, verse 34, 21, 34, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, which means carrying on goofiness, entertainment, um, you know, uh, denial, ex- escapism, um, drunkenness, we know what that means. It's, again, uh, seeking a way to escape and comfort, false comfort. And the cares of this life, you know, making money, paying the bills, uh, making the house payment, um, going to school, getting an education, that that day come upon you unexpectedly. All of these things can take a precedent in our life, which we know they do, because they're, they're uh, they're not as important as they are urgent. And when something is urgent, it gets more attention than something that's important, obviously. And we put on the back burner the important things because we are fighting with the urgent things. 
He says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things which will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Wow. Escape all these things that will come to pass uh, and escape. Escape. First um, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 says, For we have not been appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's giving us the picture the, the and the uh, options here. And, and it's very interesting um, that Jesus on his way to the cross, I mean, he actually was carrying the cross at this moment in Luke, um, let's see, 23, 28. He, he had the great multitude of people that were following him and the women who were mourning and lamenting. The ones who had followed him knew who he was, loved him, um, hoped that he would bring forth the uh, final um, reinstatement of the kingdom of God or the Jews, uh, fight and defeat Rome, uh, give them hope for their lives, that he had brought them healing for their sick. He had opened their blind eyes, raised them from the dead, and now he was being drawn off to slaughter, basically. And this great multitude of the people followed him. The women were mourning and weeping, lamenting, and I, I suppose freaking out, screaming, crying, whatever they're doing. But Jesus turned to them. So he's carrying the cross. It's heavy. He's bloody. He's been beaten to a bloody pulp already. Crowns of thorns sticking out of his head. And he said, he stops. He pauses. This is his last statement. His last statement, really, except for the few phrases that he utters on the cross. He turned to them and he said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. How absolutely prophetic and, and um, appropriate. Don't cry for me. Don't worry about me. But worry about your children and your grandchildren and your descendants to come. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs who have, that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. In other words, blessed are the people who don't have babies and children to look after in these, take care of in these terrible days that are about to come. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. In other words, bury us, cover us. They're calling for an avalanche of rocks. One of the most horrible things you might think anyone could ever want. They're wanting it. They're praying for it. They're asking for the falling of the rocks upon them. Why? Cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will, they, what will be done in the dry? For if they do these things in the green wood... Greenwood does not burn very quickly, but you can burn it. It's not um, dried out, but it can burn. But if it's hard to get a fire started in, a, in greenwood, the dry will surely, but, and you can still do it, the dry will surely burst into flames. When this thing is just, he says, this is just the beginning of evil. You guys are just in the green stages yet, but wait till it gets all dry like tinder, and then the fire comes. And so he's warning them about some very... Uh, prophetic um, events that are about to come. Um, let's look for a second in um, Revelation. Or, uh, no, let's, uh, yeah, let's look in Revelation 6.16. Very interesting section here. People say, well, are we in the end times? Well, yeah, we are. <laughs> Just look at it. Quit denying it. Just get real and realize that we're, yeah, we're, we're there. And there's so many things already in Revelations that we've already passed. We're, we're past chapter one, we're past chapter two, 
we're, we're basically coming right down now into chapter 6. Um, the seals have been opened, I believe, the sealed book. And now we're seeing the, right, the horses riding. And we can't deny that. I don't know what you think it's going to look like if it's not this. What could be more than what we're seeing now that would fulfill this prophecy more accurately than what we're seeing now? Uh, the first seal, of course, is the white horse. The, it's a dead white. It's not a shimmering, beautiful, glistening white. It's a, and it bring, and it's, it's really actually very interesting verse two. We're just going to pop there real quick for a second. I already probably told you this. But and, and I looked and behold a white horse and he was sat on him, had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. But notice what's not there. There's no talk of bloodshed. There's no talk of violence. There's no talk of um, uh, swords and spears. And, uh, but, but he has a, a bow. That bow means a poisonous tip in the, the original language, a poisonous tip, a tip dipped in poison. And it also means a, a plain cloth. The, the, the crown is, uh, the word for that is corona in the original language. A corona, a poisonous tip, and a, and a, and a plain cloth, like a mask, perhaps. So he's going out conquering, not shedding any blood. The second horse comes down the pike, and we have all the bloodshed and violence we could ever want. Blood, beheadings, we have bloodshed, now we have Af Afghanistan. We have murder, bloodbaths, holocausts, all of these things coming down with his great sword. The third seal is the the horse, the black horse that comes with the financial problems. And the fourth one, of course, is the pale horse, which has been given, uh, is death, and Hades follows after him. And the power has been given to them to a fourth of the earth to kill a fourth of the people. That'd be about two billion people. To kill with a sword, hunger, death, and the beast. You say, wow, 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 I don't like all this. I don't want to talk about this. Well, let's just listen anyway, because you might need to know this. The fifth seal, the martyrs, obviously crying for the the um, the vengeance to be brought uh, upon their death. O Lord, holy and true, until you uh, how long till you judge our blood upon those who dwell upon the earth? And they were told to wait a little longer so their numbers could be filled up. Now we get to the sixth seal, which is a big earthquake, the great earthquake. Here, let's look. Verse twelve. I looked, and when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. We just had a huge earthquake in Haiti. I don't think that is the earthquake we're talking about, but the earth is rumbling, and there's earthquakes every day, everywhere. Some are real, some are not. Some are possibly man-made, artificial, blowing up tunnels. Who knows? The stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by the wind. It reminds me when Jesus said in the beginning, the parable of the fig tree, he says, when you see these, uh, this, this fig tree, Israel, blossom, know that summer is near. Well, she's past the blossoming stage. She's past, past the summer, and now she's into the fig stage, where he's saying these figs are these stars. The stars of heaven will fall to the earth like fig trees uh, drop their late fruit when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded, that means it was split apart as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island moved out of its place. How about Hawaii people moving out of its place, sinking under the ocean? Uh, ooh, that sounds big, but it's possible. And the kings of the earth, the kings, the princes, those who sit on the thrones of iniquity and uh, devise evil by law, uh, make evil things legal, those who sit on those thrones of iniquity are all over this world on those iniquity, those, the princes of iniquity, the puppets of the princes of iniquity, the kings of the earth, the great men 
wealthy men, rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, the armies, the captains, uh, every slave, every free man, everybody, the big, the great, the small, the insignificant, all hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the day, the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. This is exactly what Jesus said, you know, um, in that day, uh, what, what will happen? They will be so shocked, so terrified, so distraught, so out of their minds that they won't know what to do or where to go. And so they're going to seek comfort in the mountains and the rocks. But let me tell you something, the mountains, the rocks, the wind, the trees, everything is on God's side. Everything. He's got all of these weapons that he's given us as gifts, but they can burn. The trees have been burning. The rocks can cry, fall down. The, the earth can open up. The sea can t- swallow up. The stars can fall from heaven. God has his weapons, and I don't know what we think we're going to do to try to stop him with our little insignificant attitudes. But the, all those things are loyal to God. Um, so let's go back for a mi- minute to Isaiah, see what he has to say, because he's pretty much saying the exact same thing. Isaiah chapter 31 I'm sorry, let's, yeah, 34 verse 1, sorry. He's talking to the nations. I think we should listen. Come near, you nations, and hear, and heed, you people. Let the earth hear, and let all that is in it, the world and all the things that come forth from it. The indignation of the Lord is against all the nations, for his fury has come up against all their armies. He he has utterly destroyed them. He has given them over to slaughter. This is a... It's a prophecy that's in the past tense, like it's already been done. It's because it's a prophecy. He's telling us this slaughter. Uh, Also their slain shall be overthrown. Their stench shall rise from their corpses. And the mountains shall be melted with their blood. Wow, pretty graphic. Melted. All the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled up like a scroll. And their hosts shall fall down again, split apart. The leaves shall fall from the vine. Then he goes on to say, um, verse 8, for it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, the year of recompense for the cause of Zion. What is the cause of Zion? Recompense, getting even, bringing justice. The cause of Zion, well, the righteousness of Zion, the truth, not, there, there, again, everything's been corrupted. The word Zion is, has a bad meaning and a good meaning. Everything is, uh, Satan has counterfeited everything. But for the cause of Zion, God's Zion, God's place, God's uh, agenda that he said the year of recompense justice vengeance has come he says the streams are turned to pitch that's tar the dust into brimstone so every even the dust becomes fiery uh, falling pebbles of hail and fire the land becomes burning pitch it shall not be quenched day or night the smoke shall ascend forever we had a little taste of the fire and the smoke just a little bit and the air was darkened with the smoke and the gray, and that was oppressive to us. But what will happen when it goes to its fullest extent? Then he says, um, "No one, sh- uh, and he shall stretch out it out, the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness. Isn't that what we've got now? Lines of confusion in our news, in our broadcasts, stones of emptiness seeking comfort here, there, and other words, places that don't matter, don't count. But where can we go? 
where is there left to go? You know, we've got the stars falling, the people are fleeing. Uh, it, people uh, obviously don't recognize many things until it's too late. They flee out of the burning building. They run when it's, there's no place to run. They don't take heed. They don't leave in time. Uh, many of the people leaving Germany uh, just before the, the Nazis took over, there were a few that ran, fled, took their belongings, and went to another country just before the Nazis closed the gates. And the rest of them then were in that furnace, that holocaust of fury and, and wickedness and evil and brutality until God sent a rescue. And that rescue, I believe, came through the prayers and the, and the repentance of the people of the earth who cried out to God. There was no one else to save them. Um, so where, where is there left for us to go? Can we run to a red state, to a deserted island, maybe to a mountaintop? You know, what's going to happen? There's ultimately the only place we can find any counsel or protection is in the Lord himself, in the Lord. He, he said he will be a, a pavilion for us, a time of shelter, uh, a place of shelter in the time of storm. Now, here's what Isaiah says, Isaiah chapter 2, the day of the Lord. He's talking about the day of the Lord. Um, now, he says, and it shall come to pass in the latter days, I would say that's now, that the mountain of the Lord, Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted in the hills, and all the nations shall fl flow into it. Okay, so there's going to be a place, a house of the Lord, on the top of the mountain, and people will come to it. Come, let us go up to the mountain. Come, let us worship, they're going to say. But if you go through, <coughs> he says, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of, Israel, of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. We will walk in his paths. For, so he's saying there's going to be coming a time of protection, a time of restoration, uh, a time of healing. And so he says, but, um, but in verse 6, he's talking about, for you who have forsaken the, your people, the, the house of Jacob. Because why? Because they are filled with eastern ways. This, before the return comes the falling away. So in verse 6, he's talking, God is to back off, step away, let the people have their way, uh, practice their wickedness and iniquity, because that's what they've chosen to do. And let me just explain to you something here that people don't understand. You think all these judgments are coming from God, and yes, ultimately, they are coming from God, even as Job was being, the judgment he believed was coming from God. But uh, before God permitted it, God uh, was uh, approached. The enemy approached God, and he said, Lord, not in the case of Job, because Job was a righteous man, but in this case, in our case, Satan will approach the bench and say, God, you know the rule. They have been listening to me for centuries, generations. The iniquity is full, and they have not turned to you. They've not listened to your prophets. They've not listened to your preachers. They've actually counterfeited your gospel and killed your son. They have had no regard for any of your truth, and they have no interest in it. They have listened to me. They've chosen my ways. Therefore, I get to bring upon them the recompense that is, that is doing, due to them. My law is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I get to judge them with the same things that they have done. I will judge them with those same things, and that will be justice. And God says, yes, you're right. They have chosen you. By establishing us in a place of free will, God has given us a position to choose whose report we're going to believe. Are you going to believe the report of the Lord? Or are you going to believe the lies that are made to look like the truth? 
And so many people have used their exercise, their free will to choose to serve Satan. And now Satan is simply coming to call for what is his, you know, like in a poker game when they, the final scene where the bad guy, the outlaw wins and he pulls all those chips back to him to, to himself. And he says, up, oh, they're mine. The, Satan is pulling all those poker chips back, all the things he has won through our, our disobedience. And so the land is, is, is being decimated. Um, he says, God says, I'm upset with you I've, because you have, you're filled with Eastern ways, new age, voodoo, witchcraft, dragons, serpents, demons, uh, uh, anime, all of these things that come upon us that we have let seep into our houses, into our children's lives, through our video games, through our consent. They are soothsayers like the Philistines. In other words, they're practicing witchcraft and fortune-telling. They, have, uh, they are pleased with the children of foreigners. They are, their land is full of silver and gold. There's no end to their treasures. Their land is full of horses and chariots. It's also full of idols, and they worship the work of their own hands. You know, our magnificent abilities. We can do, there's nothing that can stop them. God said when they were building the Tower of Babel, there's nothing that can stop them if we don't stop their language. So we built all these things, beautiful things, amazing things, and we think we're all it and we can do it and we don't need God. We've really been aided in the deception to believe that we don't need God. All these things, the work of their hands with their fingers have, fingers have made. People bow down each one, and each man, um, you know, worships what he has created. But now, verse 10, enter into the rock and hide in the dust for the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. He's, the lofty looks of men shall be humbled. The haughtiness of men shall bow down, be bowed down. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. The proud, the perverse, the arrogant, all of those who even are among us who have persuaded us deceived us, lied to us, pretended to be of us, and they're not. Even they shall be brought down. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon everything that is proud and lofty, upon everything lifted up, it shall be brought down, brought low. The cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up, and upon all the rocks, oaks of Bashan, upon the high mountains, upon the hills, every high tower, the twin towers, the bridges, the fortified walls, upon every fortified wall, upon the ships, a car, the cargo ships that get stuck in the Suez, upon the beautiful slopes, upon the, lo uh, the loftiness of man shall be bought, brought down and bowed down. The haughtiness of man shall be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, but the idols he shall utterly abolish. All the idols, every, all idolatry, everything you and I put before God, everything, whether it's your schedule, your relationships, your promotion, your uh, appearance, um, what people think of you, your reputation, everything, idols, money, clever, control. Control is a huge idol. And the people in our places of leadership, political leadership, are consumed, literally being eaten alive and consumed with the worms of control, like Herod, eaten with worms. He controlled everything. He was brutal. He was relentless. He was heartless. And he ended up being eaten by maggots. How's that for a flip? So they, verse 19, they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth. 
for the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. In other words, they can't stand even Moses when he saw the Lord. He says, I can't stand to look at you. You're so brilliant. So you're blinding, you're overwhelming, you're hide me, you know, put me in the cleft of the rock. I think that was Elijah. And let me see you from. And so that he's got to see the backside of God because God is so brilliant, so glorious. When he, God, arises to shake the earth. So they're going to cry out to go into the holes, the rocks, the black places, the dark places where the bats hang out, where there's no light. So they don't have to see or, or know or hear what's going on around them or above them. They want to hide. But he is going to shake the earth mightily. In that day, a man will cast away his idols of silver, his gold, his gold bars, his idols of gold, which they have made each for himself to worship. What have we not worshipped, actually? What in God's name? We worship bats. We worship rats. We worship monkeys. We worship elephants. We worship money. We worship, we prefer the life of a, of a turtle to the life of an unborn child. What have we not put before God and before life and before truth? Everything. The moles, he says, um, which they have made each for himself to worship. To the moles and to the bats. They're going to throw their silver to the moles and the bats. What are they going to do with it? To go into the cleft of the rocks and into the crags of the ragged rocks, the rugged rocks, for the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty, when he arises to shake the earth mightily. So here we have Revelation 6. Luke 23 and Isaiah chapter 2, all talking about the same disastrous things. For the day of the Lord is upon us. He, he, this is it, people. Now, we may, I don't know if we're going to go straight to the shaking of the rocks. I don't know if we're going to have another moment of reprieve. We could, if the people truly would repent, humble themselves. Nothing is impossible with God. He can stop all this stuff, and he's the only one who can. And he would and he will if we will humble ourselves, repent, cry out, because God may not be done with America yet. He may not be done with the world yet. He may want to give us another opportunity to harvest in the harvest field because the, the world does not know the Lord for the most part. We have billions of people who do not know the Lord at all. They're still locked in their darkness and their blackness and their lies. So he may give us a, a, a short, brief reprieve. I don't know. But I do know positively that this, what I'm reading here, sharing with you, will happen. I am not sure exactly when, but what shall we do in the meantime when, you know, we're trying to save our lives by crawling in the rocks, running and hiding, running for our lives. What does he say in Isaiah chapter 35? He says, this is a very short chapter, 10 verses, but he says, the, the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like a rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice. Even with joy and singing, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellence of our God. So something is happening here to the wilderness, the wasteland, the devastation. But, but the Bible says in the beginning, the earth was without form and void. What had happened to create the earth that was created and, and turn it back into a place of, of void? What had happened to empty it out of of light and, and turned it into an empty space, a void. Then he says in verse 3 of Isaiah 35, Strengthen the weak hands, those who are sinking, those who are afraid. Make firm the feeble knees. Everybody's full of anxiety. There's so much anxiety around that it. It's like people are being stampeded like cattle. Try this, do this, run here, run there. Um, and when cattle are stampeding, 
There's, there's no sense to them. They don't know where they're going. They're blind. They're terrified. They're running a- away from something. And they're not thinking about where they're running. It's very easy to stampede sheep or cattle over a cliff when they're very anxious and not alert because they're terrified. They're running away, the, you know, trying to escape something. And there's something overtaken them. Like the pigs that ran into the water into the, uh, and over the cliff after the demons left. Or I mean, sorry, after the demons went into them, the demons left the man and went into them. It's kind of like that thing has taken over the cattle, the people, the sheep, and they're terrified. But he's but here he says, okay, so people are anxious. You you know what? Stop. Do not do anything anymore out of the fear, out of fear, based out of fear. Fear is or originates from Satan and hell. Perfect love casts out fear. If you're taking uh, some sort of uh, measures, whatever those might be. Out of fear, you are already controlled by the evil one. You cannot put things into your body, put things on over your face, uh, do anything out of fear. We need to return to the fear of the Lord, the Almighty God, who is the one we should be afraid of, and reverence. He says, make firm the feeble knees, say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not be afraid. Who's saying that? Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the, recompense of, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. This is 35, 30, verse, Isaiah 35, verse 3. Be strong, do not be afraid. God will come. He will save you. But he's only going to save those who are looking for him, those who want him, those who are crying out for him. He's not going to save those who don't want him. He's not going to save those who reject him completely and choose opt out for hell instead of heaven. It says, verse 5, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. We're looking for the miracles. Then the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will sing. For the water will burst forth in the wilderness, the place where it never was. In the desert, the water comes forth. Streams in the desert. The impossible is happening. The parched ground should become a pool. How much drought have we had? How many of us covet even little tiny drops of rain? And the thirsty land springs of water. In the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals and vipers, where each one lay, there will be grass and reeds and rushes. Vipers, jackals, run this nation. Their habitations are going to be removed. Verse 8. A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. Now that's a highway. It's a nice road. It's the highway. It's not the low way. It's not the path. It's not the, it's the highway. And it says of holiness. It's a highway of holiness. Return unto the Lord. He is holy. Be ye holy like the Lord, for the Lord is holy. The unclean shall not pass over. A lot of unclean, horrible things have happened to many of us. Perversion, sexual abuse, violence, uh, betrayal, treachery, all kinds of things to make us angry and, and mad, mad at God, mad at ourselves, mad at someone else. But it says, the unclean shall not pass over. So when you're on this highway, it shall not be for those, but it shall be for the others. Whoever walks in the road, although a fool shall not go astray. If you just stay on the road, you'll be okay. Even if you don't know where you're going, if you are faithful to stay on the highway, the Lord is the way. Even if you're a fool, you'll not go astray. There won't be any lion there. There'll be no ravenous beast to go up on it. It shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there, there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return. The ransomed, what does that mean? Ransomed. What does a ransom mean? What does a ransom indicate or imply? 
A ransom implies that there was somebody who was holding somebody hostage, kidnapped, whatever, and they wouldn't give them up unless a ransom was paid, unless money was given, unless some uh, control, uh, some stipulation was fulfilled. We have been ransomed from Satan. So don't tell me this world is an accident. We've been ransomed. The ransom of the Lord shall come. The ransom was the blood of Jesus Christ that released us from that um, devastation, that kidnapping, that, that sure and sudden death. He says the ransom. So don't tell me this is nothing, just an accident, just a, a primordial accident down here, you know, or fate. This is a real conspiracy. That is, it is not a, a theory. It is a fact. And Jesus says he had to ransom us from who? From the enemy, the one who held us captive, the one who held us hostage. And these people are going to be on this highway. They're going to come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy in their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the ultimate blessing. This is, this is what we're looking forward to. But you have to get through. We have to get through. It's like having a baby. You have to get through the delivery process, the pain, to get to the baby part. Okay, and that's worth it, but it's very tough at the time. So many people... Um, look around us, they're giving up, they're, they're losing hope, they're caving, they're dying. I mean, there's not one of us that lives now that hasn't, doesn't know somebody who's died just in the last week or so from some strange thing, some sudden thing, some young person committing suicide, some, not just old people, you know, but young people dying. There's, everybody knows somebody who's sick and who slipped away. Just like that, they're gone. Two days they're sick, the next day they're gone. The veil between life and death is separating, is separated by a breath. And we're not even shocked anymore. I went to two funerals last week. You know, there's, there's so much death that we don't even know what to do with it. But let's do what we know to do and seek life. Go to the, the one who gives life um, because we can't deny anymore for your own sake. You may not get through this alive. This body may not survive all of this stuff, but we will have eternal life and we'll live forever and we will walk with Jesus and the good things that God has promised are there for those who follow him, look to him. If you have idolatry and fear, by the way, fear and anxiety are idols as well. Repent, cry out to God, get real with God, get real with yourself, stop pretending, stop faking it, stop denying it, stop listening to everybody else and listen to the Lord. Read your Bible. Don't even expect the preacher to preach the Bible to you. Go read it for yourself. It will be strength and life and hope. You say, oh, I can't read the Bible. It makes me feel so condemned. Well, then you're reading it with your religious glasses on or your demonic glasses on. Take them off. God is good. I read to you a lot of stuff today that's very scary, very terrifying. But in the end, those things are not meant for the righteous. You don't have to hide in the rocks. You don't have to be afraid. You can serve the Lord every day. He it makes a way. He makes a, a, a place of safety, shelter, pavilion, keeps us safe in the places we are. Even though the, the people around us are freaking and falling, God is faithful to keep you, and he will never test us or tempt us above that he's able to keep us, but with every temptation makes a way of escape. So don't fall into the temptation of freaking out, giving up, getting mad at God, trying to do it yourself, being anxious or afraid, trying to find a way to run and hide. Stand. And having done all, stand. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the revelation of your love and truth. We thank you for your faithfulness to keep us in this very 
interesting day of the Lord that is upon us, coming upon us, Lord God. It's like a tsunami, Lord, that's just a few miles out to sea that's moving towards the shore. Father, have mercy upon us. You've given us these moments of time. May we get right with you, Lord God, and stay there. Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you are great. You're greater than the mountains. You're greater than the tsunamis. You're greater than the stars that fall. You are great. You're able to protect us. You have angels all around us. Father, let the angels do their work. Cover, keep, and shield us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And for those of you who want more, check out liferecovery.com. We have lots of information there, blogs, books, CDs. We have an awesome store full of stuff. Uh, God on Trial, an audio drama that is imperative for the days we're living in. All of these things, liferecovery.com. Thank you for setting um, your heart and your life and your path on the highway of holiness. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.